Hallelujah. So this morning, I was given a, a sermon by the title, Kingdom of God in the Marketplace. Now, just because you are a Christian and you own a business doesn't make you a kingdom businessman. Let me repeat that one more time. Just because you own a business and you happen to be a Christian doesn't mean that you are running a kingdom business. There's a big difference between the two. Because you might be a Christian, but you might not know the purpose why you are doing that business. I've been blessed because I've started my entrepreneurial journey early on in life when I was only 26 years old. And uh, I started the business in the F&B line. Those of you who do not know what that means, is food and beverage, right? So I opened cafes, restaurants, bakeries, and I've been doing that for the past 15 years. And I noticed that there is a big difference between the two, right? The purpose is very important. A person who runs Christian business is not necessarily one who knows the purpose behind why you are doing it, why God is placing you in the marketplace. But a kingdom business, on the other hand, is somebody who knows the kingdom purpose, the kingdom vision, and the kingdom influence that God has entrusted to you through the platform that you call a business. Or for some of you, the platform that you call your work or your career. So are you excited to learn what God has in store for you today? Amen? Because according to a survey, do you know that a person spends 90,000 uh, 90, days or hours, uh, sorry, not, uh, not days, 90,000 hours at work over their lifetime. There's a lot of hours, right? And that means God has something in mind for every single one of us who are in the marketplace. Can I have an amen in this, on a Sunday morning? Now, because the workplace or the marketplace is such an important place, you know, I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And business is a God-given calling. There are some of us here, I see a lot of young people here, but there are some people here that God is calling you to start a business. And by the end of today, I hope that I've convinced some of you, you know, to start a business because there is a plan, there is a purpose that God wants to accomplish through those businesses. Now, this morning, before I begin my sharing, I want to share a quote with you. Now, can you read this quote? It says something like this. Work is not a curse. Okay? It is a prerogative of intelligence, the only means to manhood and the measure of civilization. Now, work is not a curse. I don't know if this person is a Christian, but do you know that the Bible agrees with this sentence? Work is a blessing. It's not a curse. Now, let us look at the Bible to see that I'm not making this up. <laughs> All right? What does the Bible say about work? Right from the beginning, brothers and sisters, in Genesis 2-2, when God created the world and everything in it, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And who knows what happens afterwards? God says, it is good. God looks at everything he's done and he says, it is good. And when he has created man, he says, it is very good, right? So work is not a curse. God did work. And this, by the way, happened before Genesis 3, when man fell into sin. So work is not a curse. Right, and uh, in Genesis 2.17, can you help me? It's not, uh, okay. 2.15, uh, the previous one. The Lord God t 
took man, uh, let me control it, okay, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So not only did God see that work is good, he has entrusted work to man. Heaven belongs to God, but he has entrusted earth to all of us. Yeah, and there is a plan and a purpose why God is doing that. And some of you might think, oh, that is the Old Testament. In New Testament, things have changed. You know, men are cursed now, right? But let's look at the New Testament, what God says about work. In John 5, 5 17, Jesus answered them. He said, my father is working until now, right? And I am working. See, God wants us to work. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. And Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, this is one of my favorite verses, by the way. He says like this, whatever you do, work at it with all your whole being for the Lord and not for men. Because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Amen? Now remember, it is not what you do, it is how you do it. You can be doing something and still not fulfilling God's plan for your life. But if you do it with the right heart attitude, if everything that you find your hands are doing, what God has entrusted to you, if you do it unto the Lord, then know that you are doing it for the Lord's glory. And you will receive a reward from God himself. Now this morning, I would like to share with you the five Ps that I believe you know, will help you to maximize your kingdom influence in the marketplace. Uh, can you help me with the slides? All right. Here are the five Ps to maximize your kingdom influence in the marketplace. Okay, and uh, the first P is called purpose. We've talked a little bit about that. And uh, there is something very important that you need to know about the purpose. Because if you do not know where you are going, you do not know the vision of why God has given you that platform called your work or your business. You can be going very fast, but you can be going in the wrong direction. And before, uh, before long, you will find out that you are going nowhere. Yeah, so it's very important for us to find out what is the purpose why God has put us where we are. And here's the first thing that I would like to talk about purpose. There's this thing called the divide between the sacred and the secular. And I can tell you, you know, how I used to have these wrong mindsets. That those who are called to ministry are those who are in full-time ministry. Those people with the calling to become pastors, evangelists, to become missionaries. If I am not uh, in one of those positions, then I'm a kind of a second-rate citizen in the church. Used to have that mindset. And I believe maybe some of us here, you know, you might have the same mindset too. But do you know that that is a very, very dangerous mindset to have? Because if you have this mindset, then you cannot maximize the calling that God has given you in the marketplace. The wrong mindset will set you back. Yeah, and... Uh, it is the greatest lie in the marketplace that there is a secular and spiritual divide. We need to get rid of this mindset that, you know, if I'm in the secular world, then I'm less godly than those people who are in the full-time ministry. Now, it's true that there are some people, you know, who are in the secular business and they are so uh, earthly-minded that they are of no spiritual good. It is true. There are people who are like that. 
But it, while it is true that you can make your business or your work an idol, but so can you do the same thing with your ministry. There are some, some people who are in ministry and who turn their ministry into a place of profit. That is equally wrong. But today I want to challenge your mindset. What if the platform called work or business that God has entrusted you could be your place of ministry? Yeah, so that is the first thing that we need to wrap our mind uh, uh, about. Yeah, that God has a purpose for you in the marketplace. And I want to quote uh, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, this is a fantastic quote and that he says about the, about the purpose, you know, the, difference, uh, the divide between secular and the spiritual. To a man who lives unto God, nothing is secular. Everything is sacred. He puts on his workday garment and it is a vestment to him. He sits down to his meal and it is a sacrament. He goes forth to his labor and therein exercises the office of the priesthood. His breath is incense and his life a sacrifice. He sleeps on the bosom of God and lives and moves in the divine presence. To draw a hard and fast line and say, this is sacred and this is secular, is to my mind diametrically opposed to the teaching of Christ and the spirit of the gospel. I love that. The biggest lie in the marketplace is there is a divide between the secular and the spiritual divide. Uh, next slide. Uh, it's not cooperating with me today for some reason. All right, so Jesus, when he first started his ministry, he didn't go to the uh, University of Jerusalem to pick the brightest mind, to find the most persuasive speakers because he had a world to save, right? He needed to do a lot of persuasion in that. No, he went to the fishermen. He went to the doctors, the tax collectors. He went to the people in the marketplace. He didn't go to the synagogues. Isn't that amazing? God wants to call people just like you and me for his purpose in the marketplace. Amen? Next slide. Because uh, this is what I know about God. You know, right from the beginning, you know, other than the gospel mandate that we have known, there's this thing called the cultural mandate. Yeah, and uh, I want to read out uh, a passage for you from Genesis 1, verse 26. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, this sounds like world domination to me, right? And what it means is this. God has placed us as his children, as vice regents of the kingdom of God here on earth to show the world that, you know, we carry the kingdom values, that we are different from the world, that we have something that will reflect who God is to the world. Do you know that for some of us, we are the only living Bible that people can read? There are certain people who will never step foot in a church like this. And you are the only walking Bible that they can read. And God wants to use you as his ambassadors, as his vice regents, right, to do what he wants to accomplish in the world. Yeah, so we need to, first of all, get rid of the mindset that, you know, we are not called into ministry just because we are in the secular world. Okay, next slide. So the cultural mandate is this. It's a call to dominate the culture 
of this world. Just like how Jesus called the 12 disciples from all walks of life. Just like how he used Paul, the apostle who was a tent maker, by the way. Okay? Chris, uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, right? Who were also people in the business world, in the marketplace. He is calling you and me to also dominate our world. Okay? God has given you specific talents and gifts. Every single one of us, without exception, we have at least a single talent. Right? And wherever you go, this is what he wants you to do. He wants you to carry the kingdom of God, okay? He wants you to make it present wherever you are. Because you know what? Kingdom of God is not a place. Kingdom of God is within you. That's what the Bible says. Can I have an amen on a Sunday morning? Right? And wherever you go, the kingdom of God should be present too. Next slide, please. And one of the ways that we can be fruitful with our life is simply this, is to use our life Okay, in a way that we can use our creativity in developing the talent and the abilities that God has entrusted to us. You know that there is such a great seed of greatness that God has placed inside of you. You know, when you look at a wood, what do you see? A lot of people only see wood. But do you know that within that wood lies the potential to become chairs, to become tables, right? And when you look at uh, aluminum sheets, what do you see? You see the potential that someday it could become an airplane, right? When you see, uh, what else? What, when you see people all around you, maybe what you see is only people. But when God looks at you, He sees all the potential that He has placed in you. There are some people who are going to become the movers and shakers of this world, especially for the purpose of the kingdom of God. But it is very important that you will be able to see the way that God sees you. Amen? Next slide, please. This is a little bit small, but uh, let me just sum up what that means. When you have this kingdom mindset, you know the purpose why God has placed you wherever you are in the marketplace. You can do a lot of good in the world. Okay, you can create jobs for the unemployed in struggling economy. Now, for the past 15 years, I've uh, been in the F&B business, and I've calculated, you know, how many shops that I've opened. I'm in the retail line. I think I've opened uh, more than 40 outlets so far. Yeah, and... All those businesses, it generates uh, uh, income, but of course, it will need people to run them. And because of that, we create jobs in the midst of a struggling economy. How many people are we feeding? And what is imp what's the impact in the marketplace? Well, it impacts all areas and all aspects of life. In the medical field, families with jobs can get access to good medicine and preventive uh, measures to, to illnesses. Families with jobs, they can meet basic needs, such as housing and food. Kingdom business also attract people to him, right? And to bring people to the church, to grow the local churches. Job creation fights slavery, social injustices, and crimes. And then our parents with steady income, they can send their kids to good school so that we can break the poverty cycle through good education. So this is what people with kingdom mindset can do. It is not just about the profit, guys. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. That is uh, one of the things that are important when you have this kingdom mindset. But let's move on. We've talked about the purpose. Let's move on to the next slide. We're going to talk about the second P. Oh, by the way, before that, imagine, you know, the king of uh, business. On uh, the next slide. Imagine a Christianity that goes everywhere. Imagine a gospel that is preached in direct opposition to the evils so prevalent in our time. Imagine a church that isn't stuck inside a building. 
imagine the difference and do that. Now, you might be disappointed with uh, the results of the election, right? You are like, oh, the government is not the right one, it's not ideal and all that. But that is like giving control to something that you have no control over, right? But there is something that is within your control, that is you can be the church out there. This is not the church, guys. The church is you. And when you go out there, you are the church of God. Instead of bringing people to church, you become the church and go to the people. Amen? All right, the next slide. Let's talk about the second P. The second P after purpose, okay, next, is people. Okay, it's people. Now, it's very important for you to know, as a kingdom businessman or somebody with a kingdom mindset, if you are a professional, it's what you do with people who are working with you as your colleagues, as your subordinates, employees. Now, it's very easy. And I, I admit, you know, when I first started my business, I treated my people as tools to make me money, right? If I don't like them, they're easily disposable because Indonesia is very different from Malaysia market. You know, I just opened a new business in, in Medan, my hometown. I posted a job uh, announcement and in two weeks, I get 150 job applications. Here, instead of me interviewing them, they are the one who interviewed me. You know what I'm saying? So in Indonesia, it's so easy for me to find workers that I thought they are disposable uh, tools. But God changed my mindset about when it comes to people. Can I have the next slide, please? You know, this was the kind of leadership that I used to show to my people. Whenever I come to the outlet, they fear me. You know, they're like, oh, better do your job. You know, boss is here. And I was like a wolf uh, to them, right? This is a wolf leadership, by the way. And uh, this is a, a slide that I found. It's one of a motivational, uh, 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 I mean, quote, supposedly. It says, a wolf doesn't concern himself with the opinions of sheep. It's supposed to be a motivational sentence. But how many of you know that if you are like that, you are in big trouble? Because it is not in line with a kingdom purpose business. And uh, I learned it the hard way because one day, as I was driving back from one of my outlets, I realized that my car, my car tire was punctured. And I know that it was done by one of my staffs because I used to be very harsh with my words, with my staff. If they did something wrong, I would, I would not hold back from giving them a piece of my mind. You know what I'm saying? And until that day, I realized, oh, I shouldn't do this. It could be dangerous, you know, because uh, who knows, somebody might kidnap me, you know, and do something bad to me. But uh, as a kingdom business person or a kingdom, somebody with a kingdom mindset, can we have the next slide? Instead of wolf leadership, we should embrace shepherd leadership. Now, I want to tell you a story. I don't have much time, but you need to know this story. You know, being in the retail business means at the end of the day, we deal with a huge amount of cash. Right, uh, Brother Jit will know this. And one of the things that we worry a lot about the retailers is whether they have trustworthy staff to deal with all those cash. Because sometimes they will conveniently, you know, accumulate a few days amount of cash and then they will conveniently take that home with them and use it uh, whatever way they want. And that is what happened to one of my outlets, one of my supervisors. So one day we realized that uh, the weekend sales money was not deposited into our bank account. And to make matters worse, we tried to contact this person. She was nowhere to be found. We couldn't 
reach her. She wouldn't reply any of our text messages. And I had to file a police report. So, you know, uh, when I texted her, I said, you better come and meet me because I have filed a police report and you will be blacklisted everywhere, right? Immediately, she texted me back and said, okay, let's meet up. Right? So we met up uh, in, a, in a cafe not far from my outlet. And let me tell you, if you have ever felt boiling rates surging up and a, a lot of emotion going to explode from you, that was how I was feeling at the time. I was prepared, brothers and sisters, with my AK-537, ready to unload it on her, right? And that was a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a soft and still small voice in my heart. And the question the Holy Spirit gave me was a very simple one. He asked me, Nelson, how would Jesus look at her? Well, I'm like, well, she's a sinner, right? Just like me. <laughs> and uh, that was a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. Yes, and I've forgiven you of all of your sins, and she has not known the gospel. And this person is, you know, from the, our cousin Faith. Right? You know what I mean, right? And I had a change of heart right there and then. She arrived, and instead of being a wolf to this person, I practiced shepherd leadership. And I told her, uh, Zuli, you know, I have reported you to the police, but today I want to show you grace. And I told her, you know, I was faced with a dilemma between grace and justice between uh, being merciful and being just. But let me tell you what, you know, I am just a sinner, just like you. I have my shortcomings as well. But one day, I have a, a person who changed my life completely. He gave me a second chance, you know, and his name is Jesus. And I said, he changed my life. He died for me on the cross. And today, he died for you on the cross too. And because he has shown me mercy when I should have received justice, I'm going to extend you mercy as well. So I'm going to give you pay the money back. And if you can do that, I'm willing to walk with you to the police station and put an additional clause there, knowing full well that if I insert the additional clause, I would lose all the insurance money. And I say, we are going to say that if you return the money, you, uh, I, will take, I will take back uh, my claim against you. No more accusation against you. She agreed. And you know, one week later, what happened? She did return the money. And I turned that crisis into an opportunity to share the gospel with her. Amen? So I began to look at my workers' problems very differently from then on. I began to look at it as an opportunity to be a shepherd to them. Before that, I used to complain every time I have problems with my staffs. Now, because I have a kingdom mindset, I realize that without problems, people will not seek God. Without problems, we have no chance or opportunities to speak deeply into their hearts. Amen? So, uh, can we have the next slide? My question to you is, when you are dealing with the people around you, do they see a wolf or do they see a shepherd? Can they say this about you? If you are a boss, if you are entrusted with a business, can they say that my boss is my shepherd? Can they say that I shall not want and my boss makes me lie down in green pastures? You take care of their welfare. You actually genuinely love them. He leads me beside still waters and my boss restores my soul. Next slide. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Do you lead your staff to do the right things? For his name's sake, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, for some of us, we are the shadow of death to them. 
<laughs> Can they say that I will fear no evil? For my boss is always with me through my darkest and most difficult time. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Next slide. Thou, uh, thou prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. For some of us, we are the enemies. Amen. And thou anointed my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of my boss forever. Amen. Can our staffs say this about us? You see, when you are being a wolf to them, they may obey you out of fear, but you need to constantly supervise them 24-7, right? I, I don't have uh, the time, or uh, I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the energy. It's too tiring. But when we are being shepherd to them, they do it out of respect for you, out of their heart for you. Isn't that a much better thing? Amen? Can we move on to the next slide? The third P, we've talked about purpose and people. The third P, how you can maximize your kingdom influence, is your process. Okay? And it is very tempting. Let me tell you, if you are in business, you agree with me on this. It is so tempting for you to do what is convenient, what is easy, and what everybody else is doing, rather than to do what is right. Now, after being in the retail business for 15 years, I can tell you that there are so many different times when we are tempted to do the wrong things in the name of making more profit, right? Um, I remember one day, you know, my accountant told me, Nelson, we can actually make fake bills so that we can save up on tax. And I'm like, hey, sounds like a good idea, right? How much can we save? And uh, we did a question, it was about 8,300 ringgit a month. How many of you can make with an, uh, will do with an extra 8,300 a month in your account? Only one person, yeah? The rest of you, very godly, no need money. Amen. So I say, oh, hallelujah, let's go with it, right? So we did that for a few months, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go. See, the Holy Spirit kept on tugging my heart. Nelson, do what is right. Do what is right. And one day I came up to my accountant and I told her, we are going to stop this right here, right now. No more fake bills to save uh, money on tax. If we cannot pay for the taxes, let's not run the business. Yeah, so I let go of the 8,300 per month, but I do what is right. You know that in God's eyes, it's not about the profit, it's about how you do it. It's the process that matters to Him. And I want to share one more story with you. Do you want to hear more stories? We might run a bit late on time though. Yeah, but I believe that you'll be blessed with this business. There's this Indonesian businessman that I came to know, okay, I met him when I was in Jakarta, and his story really, really inspired me. His name is Paulus Bambang. So he is a fellow businessman just like me in Indonesia, and uh, at that time, he was working as a GM for United Tractors. Anybody here has heard of United Tractors? You know, as the name suggests, they sell tractors, right? So he was not from this line before, and he was appointed to become the GM in this company. So you know what uh, G new GM normally do? They'll reshuffle the members, right? Or he said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. But instead, I'm going to implement these three new rules. The first one is no more entertainment. Because you know, in Jakarta, it's very common. If you want to get big businesses, you bring them to Manga Bersar. It's a red light district in Jakarta, by the way. And show them good entertainment. And then if they're happy, they'll sign the deal with you. And Paulus Mamang said, no more. We're going to stop that practice from now onwards. 
The second thing, no more fake accounting. You know, it's very uh, common in Indonesia for us not to have one book, not to have two books, not to have three books. Okay, one for the company, one for the government, one for your wife. So he said, no more, stop that. We're going to report the real figures. And then the third thing, no more fake invoices. Because some customers, they want to write their own invoices so they can claim a different figure from their company. So he said, I'm going to implement these three new rules. And among the employees, so many people, you know, they, they were disgruntled. They couldn't accept it. They are saying, in this day and age, who would do business like that? You're going to lose all the customers. It's impossible. And because of that, many people left him. But those who believe in the vision stayed on. You know, the first month as a GM of UT, an international company, what was the sales of a company? You want to make a guess? Yeah, I think I heard it. A big fat zero. International company, no deal. First month. You know what happened the second month? Again, another zero. And it wasn't until the eighth month of straight zero, 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 zero. Right? Only on the eighth month. One of their past customers suddenly called him up and said, Hey, there is this big project, road construction. Uh, I need to erect pillars to build highways. How many tractors do you have? I will rent all of them. And he said, wow, so coincidental we have a lot of them. <laughs> and do you know the sales for that one month is more than the entire previous year combined? You see, brothers and sisters, when you are ready to follow God's principle in doing business, He can make miracles just like turning over His palm. Amen? And he taught me a principle that I still keep in my mind until today. It's called the J-curve principle. Can we have the next slide? This is the J-curve. It stands for the Jesus curve principle. Because when you are following the principle of the kingdom of God, sometimes you will experience setbacks. It's not going to be a bed of roses. Just like him, how many zeros, how many months can you endure? And the problem is you do not know when you're going to hit the ceiling, right? You just keep on going down. But there is a point when it is going to be a turning point, when it's going to go up, and God will do that for you. If you are going to honor Him, His words in the marketplace, you're going to uphold integrity. If you're going to represent Him as His ambassador in the marketplace, He's going to do that for you. Amen? But you know what? We don't like the J curve. We want the Nike curve. Right? We don't want to go down. We want to immediately profit after that. <laughs> All right, next slide, please. So we've shared three Ps. How many of you have been blessed so far? How many of you have learned something this morning? Amen. The fourth P is called, very important word, profit. Now, profit is not a dirty word, by the way. Yeah, some people look at profit, oh, no, 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 I'm a Christian businessman. You know, we don't make profit. Then go and start a non-profit. You know what I mean? Don't go into business. If you want to go start a business, profit is very, very necessary. Okay? But the, here's the difference. If you know what is your kingdom purpose, profit is a byproduct. You don't go for profit maximization because profit maximization means you shortcut a lot of process. You don't care about the kind of quality of work that you give to the, to the customers. You don't care how you treat your employees. You don't care about all those things. The only thing you care about is a profit. But if you are a kingdom mindset uh, professional or businessman, then 
this is, is a different case. Profit is a means towards a bigger goal, towards a bigger cause. Amen? Without money, you cannot do a lot of things. Right? And uh, I was just talking with uh, my spiritual mentor who has been a missionary in China for 20 over years. And I've been working closely with him, you know, in supporting a few churches in India. One of the pastors that we've been working with very closely, his name is Pastor Surendra. He's from Odisha. Yeah? Uh, how many of you have ever heard about Odisha? But it was called Orissa in the past, right? So this is a Christian state. I mean, uh, it's a state in India, in a, I think the northern part of India, where there was persecution towards the Christians. Christians were massacred by the hundreds in this place. So uh, I went with the two EE boards in 2016, and we were doing evangelism explosion training in these uh, rural areas in Orissa. And uh, the two boards didn't know how dangerous it is until we get there. They say, Nelson, if you have told us how dangerous this place is, we wouldn't have come. You know, because even the Indian churches would not come there and, encourage, and support them. Because the Hindu extremists uh, give them threats. Whoever support these churches, we are going to burn them down. And that is what they did to the two missionaries, uh, Graham Steins from Australia and his two children. They burned them alive inside the car. So, you know, when we were there, uh, the pastor asked us this, because as part of evangelism explosion, well, we've done that before over here, right? EPE, for those of you who remember, right? We have this thing called on-the-job training. So on the last day, we, um, we want to send the pastors out to share the gospel to the people. And uh, Pastor Surrender asked us, if we are to hold a banquet for about 300 people, what do you think about it? I say, it's a good idea. How much would it cost? And he says, about 1,000 ringgit Malaysia. I'm like, go ahead. What are you waiting for, right? And we invited 300 people from the neighborhood, poor uh, people from the Hindu background. A lot of them do not know the Lord. And before we fed them with physical food, we fed them with spiritual food. We shared the gospel with them. And these pastors were the ones doing the work. And that day, we led, uh, I think, about one-third of them to the Lord. Isn't that something amazing? Can we give the Lord a hand clap? How many of you right now, if I'm to ask you, will you take out 1,000 ringgit, you know, and sow it to advance God's kingdom? You will just be willingly going to take out that 1,000 ringgit and sow into it? Well, you won't do it unless you understand the kingdom purpose. Unless you understand that what is temporal right now can be invested into something that has eternal return. If you have kingdom mindset, you will do that without any second thought. I did the math. It is about three ringgit per head. Is three ringgit per head worth investing into somebody's eternity? But you can do that if you make profit. If you make money and willing to invest it into the kingdom. Can we have the next slide? Remember, folks, that we are stewards, not owners of what God has entrusted to us. This single mindset will make the difference between you look at giving to the church or the advancement of the kingdom as an expense or as an investment. If you know that you are not the owner, if you know that God has entrusted it to you and he will call you for accountability one day, the way you do things will be very different. Can we have the next slide? Our next slide, please. Yes, let's show into God's kingdom. Do you know Pastor Surendra, the latest update I get from him? He's Risa alone, near his uh, surrounding states, uh, surrounding village. There are 200,000 villages like that. 
and he kept on doing what we did, right? So uh, Pastor Tang, my, uh, my mentor, has been getting funds and sponsoring all these meals, all these banquets. And he said, you know, he will go to a state and there will be 10,000, uh, I mean, a, a village nearby, there will be 10,000 people there. He will cook meals for 1,000 people. And six, 700 people will just receive the Lord through the message of a gospel that he shared. And to date, he has led 30,000 people to the Lord that way. Now, if you are in the marketplace and you understand the kind of influence you can exert through the platform that God has entrusted you, you can make a lot of difference through your giving. Amen? Next slide. This is a company uh, that has been a blessing to many in the world. Okay, they, this is a Christian company with integrity. Right? They didn't support the LGBT movement and they give out burgers, free burgers for those who would stand with them on this principle. They close on Sunday. By the way, that is the day when, uh, you know, that is the best day for retail business. But they close down because they want to honor God on Sabbath day. Yeah, and because of that, they are a big blessing to the world. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, because of time, I'm going to go a little bit faster. Yeah? I want to end with this quote by John Wesley. Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Amen? It's not about how much money you are giving to the Lord. It's about the heart behind the giving. And if you have this attitude as a kingdom businessman, you can do a lot of good in the world. Now, without further ado, let's uh, jump to the last P. Have you been blessed so far? Can we go for one more? Yes? Here's the fifth P to maximize your influence in a marketplace. It is product. Now, some of you are like, ah, yeah, yeah, Nelson, I already know about product, you know. What can you teach me about product? Let me tell you, you can just create a mere commodity or you can create a product or a service that can truly add value in the world. What do I mean by that? Now, when you exert the creativity, the talent, and uh, the resources, the gifts that God has entrusted to you, you can truly come up with something that be a blessing to the world. Now, there are some very gifted people in this room, but a lot of us, we are for ourselves, not for God's kingdom. What if you are to use those creativity to create a solution for all the problems in the world? Now, can we have the next slide? This is the meaning of value-added products or services. What happens when you take a basic product and service, you increase the value of that product okay, by adding extra service and extra manufacturing process before offering them to the customers. This is what I mean by value-added product or services. Next slide. Okay, you are all familiar with the story of David and Goliath, right? Sometimes when you face problems in your life, you're like, this problem is like Goliath, so big. There's no way I can overcome this problem. But I want to challenge your mindset from today onwards. If you want to truly be a kingdom mindset person who can be of maximum influence to the marketplace, you need to start to look at your problems as opportunity. Can we uh, click next? Don't run away from your problems. Tell the person next to you, don't run away from your problems. Because problems equals to opportunity for promotion and for profit. David was a nobody before Goliath. Nobody knows of him. But because he was unlike all the Israelites who ran away from Goliath, his name is recorded today as one of the greatest heroes and biblical character in the Bible. Yeah, because he looked at it as an opportunity to glorify God. Now, when you have problems, instead of grumbling, instead of complaining about it, why don't we adopt a different mindset? That this is an opportunity for me to have a promotion. 
So very quickly, can we uh, go through the four things that uh, make you to have a mentality of a giant slayer? The first one is this. They face their problems with courage. There must be a problem for us to solve because every crisis is an opportunity for success. Yet without problems, you cannot make good products because some of the greatest businesses in the world today are born through time of crisis because somebody solves a problem somewhere. Okay, your life work is God's gift for the world. Don't forget that. Second slide, second point. They learn how to use their creativity. Okay, sometimes, you know, when you want to start a new venture and all that, you're going to meet a lot of um, limitations, restrictions. But start looking at those restrictions or limitations as an opportunity to use your creativity. Work smart and don't just work hard. Yeah? Okay, next one. They are ready to fail forward. They are not afraid to fail and are willing to try over and over again until they succeed. Do not give up, keep on learning, and keep on moving forward. I cannot tell you how many times I have failed in my business. A lot of people look at me today in the limelight, but they didn't see all those times when I failed. But do not let your failure stop you from moving forward. Michael Jordan missed 9,000 shots in his life. And there were 26 winning shots that he missed that could have made him win, but he, he missed them. He has lost 300 games, but because he lost so much, today he is a success. Amen? Uh, last one. They come up with bold and sometimes pretty crazy suggestions. Every greatest invention today were at one time thought of as crazy and impossible. Dare to dream big and try something else that has never been done by others. And I want to end with this. Okay, uh, next slide. I have talked to you about the five Ps. Purpose, people, process, profit, and product. I've shared with you how the five Ps have impacted me in the marketplace. Now the challenge is, how are you going to use the talents, the gifts, the resources that God has entrusted to you so that you can be of maximum uh, influence for His glory? Next slide. Do you know what is the most expensive piece of real estate in the world? Some of you thought, well, it's New York. Houses are very expensive there. Some of you thought it's Tokyo. No, it's not New York. It's not Tokyo. It's not Hong Kong. It's not the silver or the gold mine in South America. It's not the oil mine in Kuwait or Saudi Arabia. You know where's the most expensive piece of land? It's actually not too far from here. It's here in Malaysia, yes. Can we have the next slide? It is here. It's in a graveyard. Because there are countless number of books that could have been written, that could have been blessing to the world. There are countless number of inventions that were never invented, but were buried with them because they didn't see their kingdom purpose. There are countless number of businesses that could have been started but never see the daylight because those Christian entrepreneurs didn't understand their purpose. So my challenge to you today is do you know your kingdom purpose? Do you know why God has given you specific talents? Why He has given you certain passion? And while you are doing those things, it makes you come alive. Why are there certain problems in the world that demand a solution but nobody seems to be doing anything about it? Could it be that God is calling you to meet that need? And where 
all these points intersect that is a sweet spot where God is calling you to make a difference in the world amen and next slide I want to quote this Lewis Howes said success is adding value to the world through your unique gifts I want to add for the glory of the Lord amen and I will close with the last verse Colossians 3.23 Brothers and sisters as we are ending today's uh, our time together what has the Lord entrusted to you in your hand right now? Will you work at it with all of your heart? Not for your boss, not for your employees if you are a professional. Not in the name of profit. Not for your family. But will you do it for the Lord? Because it is God who has entrusted all those resources to you.